Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What is going on, Big Up Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here in another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. Today, we've got a fun episode with a couple of guests to discuss some of the biggest topics going on in sports this month. But first, let's dive in to some gold stars and detentions. First gold star, obviously, y'all know I'm a hoops head. It's going to go to Steph Curry. If you were under a rock this week and did not realize, Steph Curry set the all-time record for three-pointers made in Madison Square Garden on Wednesday night. Worth noting, he did it in just a little bit over half the games the previous record holder Ray Allen had. He's heading towards 3,000 rather quickly. Uh, I I will say it looks like Steph Curry might be on pace to finish closer to 5,000 three-pointers, truly revolutionizing the way basketball is played kind of from the top down. And so I I think it's interesting to see that while I don't think he will ever be replicated, his impact is on the game permanently in a way that you saw Wilt Chamberlain change the way center position was played or a way that you saw Shaquille O'Neal dominate the paint and change the way the the rules were around there or the way you saw Hakeem Olajuwon, frankly, take the center out of the paint and make all kinds of athletic maneuvering from outside. I think sometimes guys just change the game. We haven't mentioned the fact that Michael Jordan turned the game into more of a perimeter-oriented guards game. It was a big man's league before that. Even Magic was a big guy, right? And then Jordan comes in. Steph Curry is now the little guy. I say little in air quotes. He he is six foot three, a buck eighty five. Like he's not 
tiny, tiny, but he's t- tiny for a two guard. So the way he shoots it feels really different. The way he scores the ball feels really different. Steph Curry has changed the game in a number of different ways, both in shooting the ball off the dribble and shots that would have been called bad shots just a decade ago. He also pulls the ball up from beyond, well beyond the three-point line, well beyond any rational, I guess I say rational 10 years ago, thought the most memorable three-pointer for me of course embodies both of those things is his game winner against Oklahoma City a couple years back if you don't remember that one with a tie game he's dribbling the ball up the left side of the floor and takes one dribble in as he's sprinting full speed takes one dribble inside the half court line as the clock is, is got three or so seconds left on it and pulls up like a routine jump shot the ball goes through the net at the buzzer it was really a brilliant shot because it left no time for the defense set up because they were inside the three-point line setting up for the fast break. And the ball traveled through the air and the clock expired while the ball was going. Did they have time to take three or four more dribbles? Absolutely. But the ball flew through the air and really kind of embodied this, oh man, this shift in basketball as we're watching it unfold. Uh, shout out to Steph Curry for setting the record. And I say setting the record because I guess technically he's going to reset it every game from here on out, uh, shout out Steph Curry for breaking and then setting the three-point record. Second gold star goes to J.R. Smith. For those that didn't hear, J.R. Smith is a college golfer now, right? He never went to college after high school. He went straight to the NBA. And so now he's getting his degree and playing college golf. But this is not for the golf. This is a gold star for getting that 4.0. Very emotional J.R. Smith on social media was expressing how excited and happy and proud of himself he was. 4.0 is not easy. Shout out to J.R. Smith for pulling it off. Uh, go check those videos out. It's really cool to see a guy so, so happy with what his hard work has paid off, especially something that we used to think J.R. Smith celebrate with his shirt off and championship parades and a lot of champagne and so on. This is a guy clearly as happy as any of those moments in a way more emotional state. So shout out to J.R. Smith for the 4.0. That's not easy. Well done, sir. Third and final go star is going to also stick with basketball. We're going to Candace Parker. So those that don't remember, Candace Parker left the University of Tennessee, has become a WNBA legend and icon. Uh, she was also at one point married to a guy named Sheldon Williams, who was a big guy at Duke, played a little bit in the league, but really a lot more overseas. They had a daughter. And then they divorced a few years back, and the quote in the divorce was just irrecon- irreconcilable differences. This week on Instagram, Candace Parker told the entire world that A, she married her new partner and wife a couple years back in a very secret service, apparently, because no one knew about this except for like her most inner circle. And two, that they are expecting a child. So shout out to Candace Parker, hoping all the best for you and your partner and your daughter, Layla, and welcoming your new family member. And also shout out to Candace Parker for expressing who she is with the rest of us. It's, it's nice to see someone share their personal life with us and be so comfortable doing so. Thank you, Candace. Shout out to Candace Parker. Detention goes to Joe Buck. So anyone who watched the Thursday night football game saw the unfortunate, horrific injury, really, to Donald Parham. Donald Parham's a big tight end. He fell down after attempting a catch and really hit his head hard on the turf. Uh, looked like he might have been out cold for a second and some really bad things. Um, but as the, the most disturbing part of the video was as they were strapping him down, he had a little bit of shaking going on in his limbs. And... While I have no medical background, I cannot diagnose that. That is really, really scary. And commentator Joe Buck tried to imply that that might have been because it was cold out outside. 
I, I, I don't know if I'm going to roll with that. It's the city of Los Angeles, first of all. It's not that cold. And second, that is very clearly not what was happening. Joe Buck is just trying to, like, I, I, I can't stand here and let that happen. Joe Buck, you know better than that. Don't try and gloss this over. That was a major injury. Don't make this about the weather. That was very clearly traumatic. And, frankly, we could go further and talk about how they probably don't need to have a camera on him that whole time. Right? We don't need to see injury pornography in any form. We can probably get away from that at some point as cameras. But moreover, Joe Buck, like that's not you know that's not what that was. Don't try to say it on national television. Like that's what happened. Detention for that. Go send detention. Think about what are you really trying to get at there. Second detention is going to go to Urban Meyer, or I guess as I've been seeing in a lot of memes on the internet, Urban Fired. This week, amidst a bunch of different reports that continue to come out about Urban Meyer's time in Jacksonville, in which he was 2-11. and 11. Yes, if you add that up, that's just 13 games in Jacksonville this season before Urban Meyer was fired. The detention, I wrote this down earlier in the week because it came out that he'd actually kicked his kicker, and not on accident. So he had kicked his kicker after some anger and such about his performance. So that obviously is detention-worthy in itself. Kicking someone else, that's not a great look. What I will say here is that that kick, I should say that kicking of Josh Lambeau, former Jaguars kicker, kicking Josh Lambeau may have been the ultimate nail in the coffin because once that came out, it was less than 12 hours later that he was fired. And so maybe that report was Josh, maybe we deserve to give Josh Lambeau a gold star for being like, man, great job getting this guy out of there. He's truly been an atrocious NFL head coach, whether it's bringing in different stream conditioning coaches from Iowa that have potential racist backgrounds, whether it's trying to sign Tim Tebow to a contract years out of the league at a different position. You can number it, you know, rattle off a number of different things, including like, are we going to waste Trevor Lawrence's career here with this bad coach? You know, Trevor Lawrence was one of the hot top prospects of all time to then give him Urban Meyer for his first 13 games seems almost cruel. This has been a atrocious hiring. I can go back and talk about how I thought it might. I really, at one point, I'm going to say, say it honestly, I thought a college coach coming in to work with Trevor Lawrence might have been a good thing. Urban was clearly not the guy. I, I could maybe sit here and talk myself into it. I, I do think that there's something crossover there that might have been interesting. Urban's not the guy. So detention, Urban Meyer. I could also, I guess, detention someone in the Jags for maybe lasting this long. But I guess the Jaguars are out of that mess and moving on with the rest of their season. Detention, Urban Meyer, though, for kicking someone and ultimately getting himself fired for a number of different reasons, including, anyway, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things about, like, people were leaking and he's mad people were leaking. You know what? People aren't. People don't get mad about leaks when they do, don't do things wrong. So, detention to Herb. All right. Uh, as we dive into this episode, we do have a couple of different guests. First, we have Brad Chandler of the Pesky Report podcast. That's a all-Boston Red Sox podcast. He's going to come on and talk with us about the Major League Baseball lockout. After that, we have a segment with Kev. You might remember from before. Kev is from the Corner Booth podcast and Tailgate on the Quad. Both podcasts talk all kinds of stuff about college football. We're going to talk to him about the college football recruiting news of the week. So, without further ado, let's dive in. All right, so we are joined today by Brad Chandler of the Pesky Report. Brad, how are we doing? I am doing fantastic at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes, we record on Saturday morning to talk a little bit about baseball. Tell us a little bit about the Pesky Report. It's a Boston Red Sox-oriented show. Tradition, I should say. It's been out for a full season. Walk us through it. 
Uh, so yeah, I I started writing about the about baseball in general right in the 2020 season, and I started working with these guys on a podcast called the Nest Podcast. Great, great guys. I still talk to them. Uh, they gave me a start. Started doing a little bit of podcasting with them. Then I started doing podcasting with some other people, uh, and I decided that I wanted to do a Boston Red Sox based podcast. So I decided to take the pesky poll from right field and put that into our, our name and make it the pesky report. We started in March and I say we, because there's about 10 people that work with the pesky report co-hosts, um, people who do things for like Instagram or at our social media. So yeah, we, during these, during the season, uh, we do an episode after every series. We all talk about what happened, good, the bad, the ugly. And, uh, We've just been, we had a fantastic first season and we're hoping that uh, next season is going to be better. Well, and we can talk about that. They had a pretty strong season. I don't know if I would have predicted that this time a year ago, but 2021 went better than expected for the Red Sox. Yeah. uh, I don't think anybody expected the Red Sox to get to where they did go. The ALCS, they were like, they were like two games away from being in the world series, which is absolutely insane. I had one of the beat writers on the podcast on our previous episode, and he was saying 80, 80 something wins, like 86, 87, you know, something like that. And I had one person who was a part of the Pesky Report. He is actually uh, a member of the Nest podcast. Uh, Brandon came on. He was on our very first episode and he predicted 92 wins. He gotcha. was like that. He was. He was. I don't think he expected ninety-two exactly. I think it was ninety to ninety-five is what he said. I, I, I think that's. And I'm like, you didn't say that. And then he like <laughs> sent me the clip. And he's like, no, I said that. And I was like, holy crap! And I believe I was at eighty-five. So. <laughs> well, and oops, <laughs> no, and and to keep the the Red Sox or look at their in-season stuff. That was a fun year. Folks that listen to the show know I'm I'm an Astros guy. Marwin Gonzalez, you gotta love that guy, right? Right, right. <laughs> Marwin did not have a good good season with the Red Sox, and when he got picked up by the Astros at the end of the season, we were just all like, "Good, take that crap." Like he <laughs> did not. He, I think he had one, one or two home runs. One of them was on the Patriots Day weekend, I believe. Uh, it was to center field, um, and. There was a there was one in New York against the Yankees, and I think the Yankees one was probably the biggest one he's ever he's had with the Red Sox. And his de- and for a guy that was said to like his defense was supposed to be like his best aspect. Yeah, no, thank you. He he definitely he's definitely lost a step. So obviously he, he was used for the first half of the run that they've been on. Spent some time elsewhere. Um, he, he's just not quite the same guy. Um, I, I do like the guy. He's a he's a fun guy, I guess. But um, yeah, he uh, just I I don't know what it is. He's he's probably a minor leaguer now. I think that's really where it's going to be because his defense was not good at all. Number of fun players in the Red Sox, and and we can continue to talk about players as well. But the thesis today is actually going to be about what's been happening this off season. Uh, we mentioned a couple weeks ago that we wanted to find someone to talk to as an expert on baseball about this major league baseball. I would lockout. Say expert, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, someone who knows a lot more about the 
national baseball scene than I do because uh, I, I want to hear some more perspectives on this because I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stuck I'm gonna stuck in a slump here as I look at the lockout. I tend to side with players, but because of that, the thesis is going to be fairly player sided today, as it should be. As it should be, the thesis reads: the owners have taken advantage of the players since the previous CBA. So, as we do on the show, Brad, before we get too far, how would you grade that thesis? That take? <laughs> yeah, how would you yeah. grade the take? Uh, so, I mean, those were words that I said, so I'd give it an A++++++. plus 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 plus. But no, it's true. It, it really is. It's, and I believe the Seattle Mariners owner or front office uh, this past season basically said, yeah, that's that's what we do. <laughs> then I would, I'd also sit at a high A. I'd tend to side with labor. So let's dive in a second. All right, Brad. So you gave it an A plus plus. You said these are words you said yourself. Walk us through what is the big disagreement? It's always stems from money. What's happening with the lockout right now? So I haven't actually been paying way too much attention to the lockout itself uh, and what's keeping it from actually from the owners locking out the players. Um, we all know that that's because they don't agree and there's a lawyer and this, that, and the other thing. And then um, I just get upset when I start thinking about it. But the uh, the players just want uh, want it to be more player, I guess player friendly uh, would be it. But like, I know they want a DH. The arbitrations are one thing that they're arguing about. And, it ha- and the minor leaguers, I know that those are all like big things that they're they're discussing. There's other stuff involved as well, though. But uh, I think uh, the arbitration and the way that the owners take advantage of that, like say with Chris Bryant a few years ago, a few years back, um, he didn't have time served or whatever, and he got screwed out of um, big league play. So, yeah, he didn't start his like big league uh, at like he didn't get at bats and things like that. So like he got screwed. So they're talking about uh, taking advantage of that as well. And they're trying to see how they can, I don't know, I guess the owners want to finagle, but I know that the owners also want more playoffs and more teams. Well, Uh, and the back and forth here is interesting because players are advocating against tanking because they're thinking it's hurting. Yeah. That like, this concept of like, if there are too many teams tanking and I'm halfway decent as a player, then that limits teams that will actually sign me because those teams won't sign me because they don't want to win games. And I thought it was interesting competitive, you know, discussion there. Cause again, I'm an Astros guy. We lost for the entire first half of the tens to then win the set entire second half of the tens. Right. What, what's your take on all that? I absolutely hate tanking. I don't think that the Red Sox deliberately, uh, tanked in 2020, but it was a good year to tank, I guess. <laughs> um, but you have teams like the Orioles, uh, the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, uh, who just, they absolutely just suck all the time, you know, and it, it's got to get tiring. You know, you, uh, I know that the Marlins, they're not tanking, but like, it's it, it, it look look what they had to do. They got they get rid of what like five MVPs, Yelich, yeah. Rimbuto. I, I don't even know if I said his name right. Uh, Stanton. You know they got rid of all these players, and that was just because we can't afford it. What a, what do you what, so when it, 
in a league with such loose salary rules, when you can't afford it, that's a choice, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, when you have teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, who their payroll is like $62 million a year, uh, which, you know, like uh, Max Scherzer makes almost as much as that entire team in one season. <laughs> There's a problem here. But with the Tampa Bay Rays, they're competitive. So it's like, I, in one sense, I'm like, no, you need to spend the money. And then the Tampa Bay Rays are like, nah, you don't got to spend money. <laughs> the the interesting thing in all this back and forth is the back what the players want what the owners want one thing that i think they could almost agree on not that there's many things they can agree on in this is this idea of a universal dh we're both fans of teams in the american league what's the hold up on just adding the dh i feel like that's an easy win on both sides here the owners are trying to dangle something in front of the players it's like all right we'll give you the dh but we want more playoffs and is the holdup on the players with more playoffs just because they already play 162 games? There's a lot of wear and tear. Uh, so there's, there's, you could argue that. I don't think that's exactly it. Uh, it's more to do with, okay, we do more playoffs. The owners are going to get so much more money. But what do the players get out of it? You know? So, so it comes down to that idea of money again. So we both grade the thesis in a a plus plus plus. We we think that the owners are trying to take advantage of the money situation here. What what is that? What is what are they doing to take advantage of that? How, how when we see that talk about playoff money and those kinds of things, what what are we seeing happen? I'm not exactly sure how much money the teams get per like playoff series or whatever it is, but it's like the players aren't seeing that. Uh, they're not seeing a chunk of that. Like you know hypothetically say like MLB and the owners all get like 13 billion or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing a number out there. Those, those that's not going to the players, the guys that are actually, you know, playing the games. I mean, in some sense, like I know that when you get to like the ALDS, you get a certain like bonus ALCS, you get a bonus if world series bonus. And if you win the world series, it's even bigger but they're not seeing a chunk like, you know, the owners are. And the owners are just getting getting rich off of doing nothing, basically. It's because they're rich. <laughs> that that seems to be the, the trend is you get rich once you're rich. You get more rich once you're rich. So the deal here is that those chunks are not appropriately percentaged out, it doesn't sound like, right? No. Like your bonus for getting to the ALCS as a player in the Boston Red Sox is not the same percentage as you are making for all of those home games all year and whatnot. Right. You're also, I mean, like you're getting more, you're definitely getting more because you're playing in, in like the postseason. but it's like, you're going to add, I believe they want to add like two more games uh, to the playoffs. I could be wrong, which isn't unheard of, but um, I believe they're trying to like, in the brackets, they're trying to add like two more series or something in that sense. Instead of having a one game wild card game, I believe it's a best of three. Yeah, that's the who, that's the owner's proposal, right? Which I kind of agree with that. It sucks to agree with the owners, <laughs> um, but I agree with that. I think it's like throw it out there. I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, but I'm a baseball fan as well. Imagine seeing three games for the Red Sox and Yankees for the wild card. You know, like you play one game in Boston, you play one game, you play two games in Boston because they had the better record against the Yankees in 2021. And then you play one game at Yankee Stadium. Like that would have done 
done crazy numbers. And I just hate the fact that a one game, you know, anybody could be on and anybody could be off. So the fan in you wants I want the... I want more. Like yeah. I, I like if there was if if I could watch the Red Sox like all year round, I I'd be for it, but we know that's not gonna happen. <laughs> well, and then the idea of playing I guess it starts with just two more games. There could be a domino effect here, right? Where eventually we're getting to just another series and so on. The big, the um, biggest, the biggest issue I, I see with adding more games is now you're either going to have to um, shorten the, uh, which we'll call it the uh, spring training. You're going to have to do that, or you're going to have to make the season longer uh not season longer but like now we're gonna have like this year the world series was played on the last game of the world series was played on november 2nd like we should not be having baseball in november and (laughs) the only time there should have been a game in november was back in 2001 i just i don't i don't agree with that but i do want a three game wild card game so i'm like (laughs) i'm in limbo here well, and that makes it hard too because they play so many regular season games. That if, if you start opening day in April, you know April first or whatever, they're starting um, in March right now. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, like how where where is the give? Because they're already playing basically every day. The way it should be, and, and people are going to disagree with me here. I think there should be scheduled doubleheaders. Ooh, there's a hot take. So scheduled doubleheader. Would you stick with the seven inning doubleheader that they currently no. have? You absolutely. go back to nine innings. I, I absolutely hate the seven. And I'll tell you why I hate the seven inning. And you're going to be like, man, you're, you're, you're whatever. I was going to my first game at Fenway on the monster uh, this year. Right. I've never sat on the monster before. Whatever. I was going to my very first game. I went to the game and the it got rained out. I was so upset because I live like an hour and 45 minutes away from the Walmart. So like I drove. <laughs> hour 45 there hour 45 home then they made the game the next day a double header i was like sweet well shit uh i don't know can i swear on here sure all right i was like shit i i i'm only gonna get to see seven innings and it was it was the red Sox versus the blue jays and i was so upset that it was a seven game a seven inning game and the reason why i was upset was because i spent 400 and something dollars on that ticket so the the ticket prices did not indicate no, I, on I a scheduled doubleheader. Which you, I mean, you could, I guess, theoretically, like prorate the fact that it's you know too oh, many shorter. But that's I, that gets to really complicated really fast, I guess. I I went to a doubleheader earlier this year. I went to go see the Mets versus I think it was the Pirates, and I went to City Field, and it was I I don't know what the difference was. Is it was a um, a doubleheader. But they didn't have us leave. That's fun. So I was like, sweet. So I get a full game plus. Right, um, right. So that you get you get 14 innings of baseball instead of nine. That so that yeah. that could be a fun way to do that too. So I, I, I will tell you I'll tell you the honest truth. I had a really bad season this season as a fan going to the games because I got rained out of the uh, Red Sox game. Then I was bringing my nephew. We were going down to go see uh the Mets play and he we travel we go to ballparks together and um or at least we're trying to so we went to city field we sat sat at city field for five hours no not five hours it was probably like four maybe a little less whatever let's stick with five uh (laughs) but we we got there yeah 
we were there probably about uh, five o'clock and at like nine 30, they canceled the game. That's late. Yep. So I was like, damn. So, and I got an 11 year old nephew too. So like, he's, he's like anxious. We've been sitting there, no baseball for almost five hours. You know, we got there early to take in the ballpark, get some concessions, get some, you know, whatever. And, uh, I, we drove home two days later, those tickets were good for the next, for the Friday game. Cause that was on a Wednesday and we went, we went again and then we, it, it was, a, it was raining. Right. And I was like, they're not going to cancel it. They're not going to cancel. If they were going to cancel it, they would have canceled it by now. Yada, yada, yada. So we get all the way there. We get off the exit. As we're getting off the exit, I get a notification that the game was postponed. Of course, of course. Yeah. So then I asked my nephew, I'm like, third time's a time. You want to go again? He's like, no, thank you. <laughs> he spent like seven hours in a car with me. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of time. I, I will say City Field's a fun one to go. You could talk about ballparks for a long time. My experience at City Field was the umpire got hit in the junk with the ball or and like had to run to the locker room and throw up and go to the hospital or something. Like there was a real awkward pause that none of us really knew what happened. <laughs> we had, so there was a big gap in the middle of the game. We're like, what's going on here? And like people start checking their phones and Twitter was telling us that that was what's happening. Yeah, um, definitely, that would make me throw up, <laughs> but shame on him. Cause I mean, like obviously he wasn't wearing a cop. Or certainly not one that's good enough. <laughs> like yeah. You're, you're uh, getting hit that hard in the nads. Yeah, yeah, no, that's no fun. Do better. La- last thing on the lockout here. It doesn't feel like much has happened since they locked out. And nothing will. So when when do we anticipate, uh, you're a guy that's in the weeds here on baseball, when do we anticipate stuff starts happening? January. Uh, they just met on Thursday to talk about like non, like not the big stuff. They wanted to talk about the most, the small stuff. Nobody explained what they were talking about because nobody has the inside scoop or whatever. They just know that they talked on Thursday about some little things. I think right now what it is, is they're not doing anything because of the holiday season. So I believe, I think I heard January 16th for some reason. Uh, something makes me thinks the 16th no that, i don't think they would get together on a sunday um but that was a that was a date that was thrown out they sh- they will be getting together next month and is that like you're saying they're just going to bypass the holidays you know work didn't really start until you know baseball they won't be missing any baseball until march anyway or what what's the thought there i don't think they're going to miss anything i don't think they're going to miss spring training i think January, uh, they have their discussion. They're already at the point to where, like, we don't want – last year was such a good year for baseball that if you just lock out and you you don't have baseball starting right away, you're screwed. Like, back in the 90s, they, you know, they had the strike. Uh, baseball was – I'm not going to say a dying breed, but it was not as – it's not what it was. And then they brought in the steroid era, you know, the home run chase. And that got more people excited and watching baseball. So they don't want to go through that again. They'll, gotcha. lose, lot, they'll lose lots of money. And owners want money. So Owners want money. The money seems to be making this whole thing go round. Uh, you and I tend to the players here. What, what would you see 
so you say they're going to talk again in January. Report comes out for first week of February saying lockouts over. Here's what they're doing. What would the players consider a win after after all this? I honestly don't know. I really I I can't sit here and say because I don't think they're going to be happy regardless. And the players are going to be like, he got them right where we wanted. But I think. I think both sides will be happy once the DH, uh, the universal DH is instated. Honestly, I, I don't know what the players are going to look at and be like, oh, that's a that's a win. Because I think that they're going to be playing more playoff games. More teams are going to be able to get in. And so it's really going to be. It's going to be give and take. Like you yeah. have to give to get, get what you want. And the owners basically, I mean, like people think that the players are running this like it's all on them and whatnot but it's really the owners like the well players and that's man- the, that's the, the case in every lockout thing. across this thing right is you've got in baseball it's 30 but you got roughly 30 billionaires running the show right that's how this goes right right and then you got one moron who one moron who uh talks and advocates for the entire um for all the baseball for MLB, Rob Manfred. And then you have this other idiot, Tony Clark, who's for the players association. Well, and then, and then you have two idiots arguing with each other. And, and that seems like two different meat shields, right? The players are throwing Tony Clark out there, the wolves and the owners was putting Rob Manfred in front of our television sets because none of them want to stand in front of them. Right? Like they're just, they're just meat shields for their right. collective groups. Exactly. All right, I assume you'll be talking about the lockout over the course of the next couple of months until we get to spring training. I assume you'll be talking about more, you said, you know, more grandiose, bigger baseball topics. Brad, where can people find your stuff at? Uh, you can find us at Pesky Report. Um, follow us on all social media platforms. That's You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are on TikTok, though we don't really post much now. <laughs> So you can find us all there. You can find me on Twitter at BRSBaseball83. I'm not super active, but I do talk to people, and uh, I do tweet occasionally on there. Um, now, before I end up going, I had a question for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> so this is one thing that uh, we've we've kind of been going back and forth on, myself and Mr. Brady of, of our recent crew uh, agree. And Mr. Hogdale thinks that we're idiots for this. So, robot, uh, robot umps, where do you stand on that? And if you agree with Hogdale, I'm just gonna disconnect. Uh oh. <laughs> that now I don't know what. I, okay. I I'm like kidding. to get things right. I'd like the calls to be right. And if that requires a robot, I, I think I got to go with it. Um, I'm getting a bunch of thumbs down. <laughs> I. I know that that's probably controversial. There's the, this like, you know, it's been, it's been a historic game it's been around over a hundred years. You want the human elements in it. I, I think back to, and, and I get I, the, so 2017 world series, Houston Astros playing Washington nationals. Juan Soto got, there was a bad strike ball strike call, whatever. Juan Soto got a couple extra strings and swings and just jacked one, right? Just jacked one. Would Houston have probably lost the series anyway? Yeah. Like the ball don't lie, but at the end of the day, it's like, man, if he hadn't had that extra swing, um, I, I'm a guy that likes getting things right. I'm the kind of the same way in basketball and football. I, the thing that drives me crazy. So balls and strikes is one thing, and I can live a little bit with human element there that we measure first downs. So arbitrarily in football, Brad throws me like the guy just walks up. Ah, I think it was right here. <laughs> just like puts the ball. Ah, I think the ball was right here. Like, 
<laughs> there, there's that. Sometimes so. you can't see where the ball is. <laughs> like I was, I, I don't really watch football, but uh, every once in a while I'll throw a game on and I'll see, I'll see this. And it's like, guys all piled up on each other. It's like, how do you know that the guy didn't just go, you know, like move the ball, like up a little bit. I know it, it drives me insane. Um, we still use literal chains in football. <laughs> like, like that. So yeah, there, I think there are, uh, I think there are other things that come first, but I'm a guy that wants the call to be right. And I know that's probably the millennial in me, but. Um, so, <laughs> so before I go, I'd like to explain the reason why you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I am, but I'm not. It's your, your, your choice. No, teachers you, can be wrong. That's okay. <laughs> I I like the human element. It's like don't, don't get me wrong, I hate when they're wrong. But I what I hate more is when they're wrong and they're inconsistent. If they had like okay, if the ball is like 3 feet out and uh you're going to call it a strike, if I throw it there every time, it better be a damn strike. I don't want it to be a strike one time and then a ball four other times, you know, like if it's just a little over, over the letters or whatever, and you call that a ball, that better be a ball the entire time. You better not call it, call it a strike. I don't care if it's my team. I don't care if it's the other team. I don't want anyone to get the advantage. I mean, Red Sox, if they want to get the advantage, (laughs) but that's, that's my thing. I, I want consistency. And that's where Mr. Brady and myself agree. And uh, that's where we disagree with uh, Mr. Hogdale. Well, unlike the players and the owners, I think that's somewhere we could agree on is that consistency and consistency within a single game or series would be best, right? Like that would certainly be a good starting point. I don't know if we're quite there right now. My biggest issue is like you have guys like who, like Joe West, who have been doing this for like 50 years. I, I, I think it's like 40 plus, but whatever. And if if a player, and this is where uh, Ryan Brady and myself agree, if a player uh, is doing bad, they are sent down to the minors. So why don't we do have the same expectations of our umpires? Like there's there's a grading that goes on for these umpires, and if you're not doing your job correctly, then you should be sent back down. You know, there should right. be you, you should be in the minor system. Or something, no, something, you know, and there's a lot less accountability. They're not in press conferences after the game talking about what they did right and wrong. No, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that you could talk about being being different. Thank you, Brad, for coming on this morning. Uh, it, it's great to hear talk, hear you again. This is Brad Chandler of the Pesky Report podcast. That's Pesky Report, like Pesky Poll. You can find them on all your audio mediums. There, y'all are going about once a week. You said out of season, but. So uh, during the season, we go every series. Uh, right now, we are doing once a week. We typically record either Sunday or Monday. It just it depends on what day we get a, uh, a fire lit under our asses to talk. <laughs> so, but uh, we usually have a show, and we try to stick around about an hour, forty five minutes to an hour. It depends on what's going on. But like right now, we're talking baseball but we're also talking other things too (laughs) baseball at air quotes i love it all right thank you for coming on today brad thank you okay parker so the thesis statement for this commercial is james harden has the best beard in sports 
What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big dudes in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make bombs, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your bombs, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. All right. So we're joined again by Belly Up Kev, Kevin Langley. Uh, Kev, tell us, what have you been working on lately? First of all, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Talk to us about uh, what you've been say that didn't go well, but that's fine. <laughs> Talk to me. What have you been working on lately? I know that college football season is somewhat wrapping up. You're a big time football guy. So what have you been working on? Really just recording tailgate in the quad that comes out every Thursday morning. So just recording that, trying to make sure I'm researching enough for that when I have time. Uh, that's taken a lot of my attention this season, at least because I, this is my first podcast I posted. So that's taking most of my focus from belly up writing occasionally, but not as much. And that's coming out. You said that's coming out on Thursdays, Thursday mornings, Thursday mornings. It's all college football talk all the time. Uh, well, <laughs> it, it's a college football podcast, but we also talk about the cold war a lot. Interesting. We, we don't, it just kind of comes up and we talk about it. Like we've talked about JFK's speech. Uh, we will go to the moon by the end of the decade for the line. Why does Rice play Texas? Uh, we've <laughs> talked about Notre Dame being a former Soviet sleeper cell. <laughs> it's just weird stuff like that. So if you like college football and or the Cold War, check out Kate on the quad. That's an interesting Venn diagram of people. I don't know who all falls in the middle of that spectrum, but that's a lot of people I would imagine. <laughs> well, I know two people who followed the middle of that Venn diagram, me and my co-host. <laughs> so in looking at things that are historic, like the Cold War, and in things like college football, we had a pretty big week this past week on National Signing Day, um, not just because the number of four stars and five stars flipped their commitments to my University of Texas, uh, but really, really moreover, because we we had something happen that I don't think anyone necessarily would have seen coming in seeing a uh, top-tier recruit Travis Hunter commit to Jackson State, uh, historically black college university. So I got to ask you, the thesis this week reads, Travis Hunter and Jackson State changed college football, uh, changed college football history. You hear that, and what kind of grade do you think that is? I'm going to give it a C. Okay, interesting. I'm probably in the B range myself. Let's figure it out. All right, so Kevin... You gave the thesis a C about Travis uh, Travis Hunter and Jackson State creating college football history of sorts. That means I feel like there's some pros and cons here going on. So break it down for us. 
So, yes, I he is the highest ranked recruit to ever go to an FCS school, an HBCU. And a lot of that is Jackson State and Deion Sanders bringing him in. But also, the NIL deals have impacted this. And there are reports about NIL deals with him. But that was kind of the goal of this, to level the playing field a little bit. So I think it's – I that that is a big part of it. Now, I actually kind of, upon reflection, might want to trade change the grade to a B. <laughs> because it is also a, a very monumental moment, and it does kind of continue this trend. Not really trend, but there have been some great players come out of HBCUs and FCS schools. So it's not that shocking. And then the chance to play for Deion Sanders, the guy Travis Hunter has said he's tried to emulate in his playing. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a B instead. I think a C discredits Travis Hunter and Jackson State for what they do, but the NIL deals still have played a big part in it. Well, and obviously the HBCUs are a, a collection of different schools, so I don't mean to make them a monolith of sorts, but there are currently, it's, uh, I believe the report I'm reading is 18 NFL players that attended an HBCU. So it's not like unheard of that an NFL talent would go to an HBCU. I think the unheard of part here is that a guy that is projecting as a pro at 18 years old, right? Like a guy that's a number one, like that does feel different and new. You alluded to the Deion Sanders connection. He was a Deion Sanders lifelong fan, and that was why he was originally committed to Florida State, right? He wanted to kind of follow in those footsteps where all the reports and indicators. And then Deion said, why would you follow my footsteps there when I'm stepping right here? (laughs) Like, you can come get in line. Is Deion poised to turn this Jackson State program into a bigger player than a typical HBCU is? Or is... Is this a unique case as you see it? I think this is the first of many big name recruits for Dion. Whether that be he spends a few years at Jackson State and then goes to a Power 5 program because he was a finalist for the Florida State job before they hired Mike Norvell. Uh, I think because he has one of them is his son, so that doesn't count, but he has two four-stars in the 2021 class. He has now the a five-star in the 2022 class, and a bunch of three stars. I think this is kind of going to show us what Jackson State will be because they were terrible before Dion got there. Now they're in the – they won the SWAC this year. They're playing for the FCS championship. They're in the quarterfinals right now. Yes, they're in the quarterfinals right now, and they're playing South Carolina State, who was 6-5. and five. So they're probably going to go to the semifinals. He's building this program up. And with the way college football has been changing up with divisions, realignment the last year, thanks to Oklahoma and Texas, I wouldn't be surprised if his plan for this is to kind of eventually go to FBS. Would he? And when you say go to, are you talking about trying to get Jackson State there? Are you thinking try to get Jackson State there as a potential option? Because, I mean, James Madison – also playing in the SES championship. They're going to the Sun Belt in a couple of years. So it's not as crazy because there's usually one school every couple of years. Uh, Liberty did it last. They went from FCS to FBS. That Now James Madison. So in three or four years, if Jackson State can kind of continue this trend, maybe he will join the Sun Belt or something to kind of, if more schools leave to Power 5. Well, and what... 
not to, I mean, I know you're a Cold War historian, not necessarily a domestic uh, social historian, but what, 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 what is the historic relevance of turning an HBCU program into an FBS program, potentially, if that happens in a few years? Off the top of my head, I can't really think of many that have done that, which goes a lot into social issues that I don't really feel like getting into on a segment talking about college football. But <laughs> fair, it's I did brief see time. a tweet. Uh, I think it was from uh, Not the Expert, who's a YouTuber. I think I saw a tweet from him that said, we all know that if the HBCUs had enough funding in the 60s and 70s, they would be Power 5 today. And because funding has always been an issue at those schools. So I do think there it is very likely if Dion can kind of, and there are other great coaches for HBCUs, but the most recent one, Dion Sanders can kind of change the mindset of it. Like, no, we are a D one football program. We will give you what you need in terms of equipment, uh, facilities, more kids like this will go and it will raise the profile of, not just Jackson State, not just SWAC schools, not just HBCUs, but kind of FCS schools in general, because they will then be getting this top talent. Well, and not that Cincinnati was an FCS school, but it does feel like we're talking more about the non-heavy hitters in football this year, whether it's this week in Jackson State, Cincinnati throughout the year. There's a hot second where you know I live in Dallas now, and SMU w- was climbing the ranks, and then they lost, and they're out. Right? We, the Wake Forest at one point was undefeated, and like, well, they win the ACC or whatever, right? Like, we we do seem to be focusing more and more on these like somewhat smaller programs. You mentioned that the NIL had a big role in the Travis Hunter story. So, can you outline that for someone listening? That's like, what? And then I want to dive into that a little bit more too. So the NIL name, image, and likeness deals basically says college players can get paid for their name, whatever, from outside companies looking for ad deals. Uh, They're making a new college football game in the coming year, so they will impact that. And there were reports initially because Deion Sanders still does work for Barstool. There were reports that maybe a seven-figure deal was on the table for Travis Hunter from Barstool as an NIL deal. Some are saying that's not true. Some are saying because it came out, they're kind of pausing it, but it is going to happen. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Kevin, the deal was not like with the Deion Sanders podcast that's hosted by Barstool, but that the Barstool network was going to do some sort of a documentary type feature, independent in air quotes, featuring Travis Hunter and the journey at an HBCU. I haven't seen that. I just know the deal was from Barstool, the company, not Dion's podcast. And so with that being the case, that is certainly a brand new take on this NIL thing, right? A company that is like a company tied to the head coach is also finding a way to get that head coach a top tier player. Not that Jackson State is paying Travis Hunter a dime, <laughs> right? So I'm not, I don't want to imply that they're they're doing anything illegal or wrong, but over the summer when NIL hit, did we predict? could you have predicted that this is kind of the direction we were going? A lot of people did talk about this being a potential issue that, you know, just some booster, and I joked about it, I didn't think it would actually happen this quickly. Some booster who owns a company is going to go, hey, I own a car dealership in Tuscaloosa. I'll give you a $5 million deal if you sign with Alabama. <laughs> Which, and- he is the number one recruit in the country. So it's not ridiculous that someone would want to give him a massive NIL deal. 
the problem though does come if it's if you go to Jackson State, we'll give you that. Well, and problem becomes in equity of like resource, like because then it's all it's it's the recruiting pitch becomes the millions of dollars you make. And I I have to say it's interesting, Kev. You're an Alabama guy. You don't strike me as someone that would be upset about boosters throwing money at recruits because I think Alabama would win a lot of those fights. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, really, I think Texas boosters might be the richest in the country, and I just don't want Texas to be back because I want Sark to come back as our offensive coordinator. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I am all for college athletes being paid. I think we've been – not we, but schools and the NCAA and Mark Emmert specifically because I hate that guy has made all this money off of unpaid labor and saying, oh, but they're getting a free education. Oh, I'm sorry, that their underwater basket weaving class isn't helping them in life that much. <laughs> it, so, but at the same time, I think if you're going to pay players, there need to be kind of set rules. Like if you're a quarterback, you can make this much. If you're a running back, you can make this much. If you're a left fielder on the softball team, you can make this much. Or just here's how much you can make across the board. We don't want to play favorites. We're just paying you. But it's when these millions of dollars are being thrown in to not random, but to random guys to go to a school like that is a little problematic to me. Unless we completely eliminate the whole. I don't I don't like the amateurs a model of college football or the NCAA in general. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's just a way to not pay these kids unless you just treat it. You know what? No, this is basically a professional league where just paying these kids, which is fine, but then you have to put in salary caps, luxury taxes, things like that, uh, rules about signing guys. Well, and the interesting thing there would be like, bluntly, not because Texas is about to join it, uh, the SEC would just become, they'd pull in a few more schools and become a 20-team minor league system, right? And and it would kind of be on their own a number of different ways. Talk to me about this idea, though, that like, the boosters company or in, in Jackson state's case, it's the coaches, you know, affiliate it, Cause I'm a Texas guy. We've got this pancake deal where like every lineman, no matter how many stars, no matter if they get the field or not, is getting like 150 K. Right. Which is like wild, but also like, it's not like what, a, what an NFL offense lineman is paid by any stretch. It, it does seem to be that Texas or like there was some deal with Miami. And like, if they all worked out at this certain like gym, like the Miami football players could get some deal at the gym or whatever. And they were getting paid as like, you know, spokespeople for the gym. These blanket things feel a little different than what's happening with Travis Hunter and that he's very uniquely getting this and not like offering it to the entire 2022 class, but it certainly could turn into that, right? You could start seeing Barstool says, we'll give every recruit that signs at Jackson state their own, whatever, or, you know, First off, I love kind of the team or the unit blanket NIL deals. I think those are really cool. And also just a way to kind of spread around the money a little bit better. Because let's say a freshman who's a backup has to play a couple snaps due to injury or a guy just has a cramp. He could walk away from that with $300,000 if he plays right. a couple of drives. So I love that, but I'm not as concerned about blanket recruiting class deals because yeah a lot of these boosters are rich a lot of these companies are rich i don't think they have enough money because it would have to be a little bit of money to still make their bottom line look okay because 
look, boosters want their team to be good. They're not going to go bankrupt, making sure their team is good. It would be an interesting move. Have yeah. 20 guys coming in. Yeah, it would be You'll it'd be wild. 100,000 each, $2 million on one recruiting class, and then do it again the next year, and then again, and then again in perpetuity until either you're no longer a booster or you die. Like, it's, I'm not as concerned because I don't think any booster will make that much of a capital investment to bring guys in, especially because some of those guys will already be there. It would only be for the top maybe five recruits in their class. You're, yeah, the guys you're trying to sway. Yeah. That so, was your man Sarkeesian, and I say your man because he's now coaching at Texas. He had some quote the other day that there were two were like, before the signing day, like, don't have a lot of linemen commit shit, you know, da, da, da. And he was like, if I want to go get a average lineman, I could go get that right now. Like, it, it's, I want I'm trying, I'm going after these top guys. But like, when you're a big brand, Texas, Alabama, whatever, you could theoretically, Florida State even, I would have thought, it's the three, you can go get the three-star caliber guy and say, come play at this historic program. It's the it's the persuading of these top tier guys. It's a little bit different. That's where this money is playing a role, right? Yes. And I think I don't like the way the NCAA operates. I think I've made that very clear. I have not liked it for a while. Part of the issue is they dragged their feet on this for so long. Once the Supreme Court said you could do it, and then the NCAA NCAA goes, fine, you can whatever you can make NIL money. They didn't have set rules in place or they threw them together very quickly. If they were proactive and actually had a brain, they could think about, okay, what about boosters who own a company for the, like they own a company and they're boosters of school. What can they do and not do to give NIL money to these kids or former coaches who have made millions of dollars in the NFL? What can they do and not do for these kids? Things like that. I think, are important to figure out. Now, it could just be once they sign, they they can do whatever they want. But they need to say that on paper because I feel like it does create an on-level playing field where maybe some of the more moral boosters will go, I I can't give all these kids a lot of money because that would be ridiculous. But then other ones, 99% of them, like the one from LSU who stole money from a children's hospital to pay players, (laughs) would go, oh, yeah, here's $10 million to sign with us. Have fun. Right, which is which is its own level of crazy. We could talk about the moralities in LSU for a long time, but that sounds like its own podcast series, more so than its own episode. I would also it, like to point out real quick, that is proven he is serving jail time for it, so that's not slander or libel. That actually, <laughs> I yeah, just want to be clear about We're that. not getting sued over Kevin's big mouth. That's a real thing that really happened. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the historical aspect of this, though, Travis Hunter... Let's say this is a big NIL deal. Let's say that is the big persuading factor. That does seem like it's going to have ripple effects positively or negatively across college football landscape, right? Oh, 100%. And I I honestly can't wait because I think it's going to be really funny to see some of these sightings. Like, you'll have a kid from South Beach siding with North Dakota State because he got some massive deal from Carson Wentz or something. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so funny, and I'm thrilled. Well, and while that would be a lot of fun, there's an added aspect here of the transfer portal, right? So, like, Travis Hunter takes this NIL deal. He goes to Jackson State. He does his one-year documentary. Can't he just go to Florida State a year later? I don't know why he'd want to go to Florida State. I would 
there's a lot of schools I would hope he would transfer to instead. And not just because <laughs> I want him to go to Alabama. It's just I, for his own sake, for his own sanity. But yes, which actually brings in another point of NIL deals. Can you put into the contract that you have to play there for X number of years? Which would, I don't think you should be allowed to do that, but can you? Is that something the NCAA has said no about? The sticky thing there becomes like, it's not theoretically the person signing the checks in the NIL deal is not able to control whether or not the kid plays. And if the kid doesn't play, then does it stay? And you know, those kinds of things. Or, and then like, we could also talk about the fact that like, we just had three basket turnover with very major programs and our coaching staffs. And like those kids are all now like, what do I do? I, I don't know. I don't know what I would, what I would argue on all of that, but this Travis Hunter signing at HBCU, taking theoretically a bunch of cash to do so. I the the ripple effect here positively would be that brands get kids a lot of money to then get to schools that spread the wealth of talent in a little bit, kind of evens playing fields and those kinds of things, right? There's also probably a pessimistic negative side of this. What 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 else could come out of this? Well, I mean boosters and companies paying kids to go to specific schools is a negative i feel until they say they set rules more strictly about what you can and can't pay for pay kids for or we're just paying kids in general a kid makes the wrong choice which this isn't a negative of nil deals but they make the wrong choice because they made were offered all of this money yeah and and to a school that they weren't really considering at all like they don't like the program they don't like coach that but I can make $5 million going here, so I'm going to go here. And then it continued, because we've had the most number of kids in the transfer portal this year. I think it was 15% of all D1 players were in the transfer portal this year. Texas had a few of its own, too. Um, I keep referencing Texas because that's the stuff that pops up on my news feed the quickest. Yeah. But the the deal there is that you know there was a coaching change a year ago at Texas, and Sark is going to you know, play his guys. And I think that, that, that seems fairly simple with a coaching change. I, I I'm going to ask this question bluntly because I can't get your vibe on this. So are you pro or con the way these NIL deals have played out now that we've had them for about six months or how are you feeling as a college? Again, I, I want to use the word expert because I feel like you know a lot about it. As a college football expert, how do you feel about NIL six months in? I love it. I think it's very important and long overdue. And that's not just because I want another NCAA football game. <laughs> I think I don't agree with the NCAA's rules about paying players, but they had them for a while. Taking that and then also saying we also own your name, image, and likeness is ridiculous. I think NIL deals are good for the sport and will help people going forward. And it, will, it potentially could also help people make the right choice. I know I was very negative on making the wrong choice because of how much money you're offered. But this way, you can make a little money and not necessarily have to worry as much about getting that top five pick deal and going to an Alabama knowing it'll help you get it or an Ohio State or a Clemson. Now you can go, let's say you live in Minnesota. Not a lot of first-round guys are coming out of Minnesota, but let's say you really like that program. Now with NIL money, you can just go to Minnesota and not really worry about providing for your family as much. Well, and if you're the local name, you would think you could sign up with the local car dealership. I know, again, living in Dallas, SMU has done a really interesting 
marketing campaign of sorts where every neighborhood in the DFW has, they've bought a billboard along the freeway in whatever neighborhood they're in and have put like the kid that is from, so like, you know, Duncanville ponies up and they have a kid from Duncanville and they have like Richardson ponies up and they have a kid from Richardson and they have like all over like the, the greater Metroplex, like plugging their football program using kids from those neighborhoods. Cause SMU has to recruit DFW. That's, that's really like their, their bread and butter. And I think that while that's like a very specific one, the local car dealership in Duncanville could also take that same kid and be like, Hey, you know, come, come work the car dealership you're staying in town or whatever right i i would think it would lead to kids staying closer to home but clearly that's not necessarily the case with travis hunter uh, um or a number of guys again my university has just pulled in um you're you're an alabama guy this question i guess alabama is different from this would be my last question about this i feel like the nil thing in the long term maybe it's being selfish is going to help the programs that are in cities usc texas miami right because the amount of opportunity to make money in those cities is a bigger deal right um even to some degree like northwestern is near chicago uh michigan is near detroit right ann arbor is not that far away i I think that there's opportunity there that don't exist necessarily in at old miss alabama i would put in like a blue blood category of a little bit different whereas like alabama and oklahoma while they're not in a city, have such big bases of big time donors and the history of the program there, it's a little bit different. But I could see this creating kind of a turnover and shift in how cities come back because it felt like SC and Texas and Miami and these bigger city programs had kind of fallen off. Am I crazy there or am I just being hopeful because I'm a Longhorn fan there? I think, well... To go to the Blue Bloods thing, I think it's there aren't a lot of great programs that aren't near a city. I mean, you mentioned Michigan. Columbus isn't a mass city, but Ohio State, you have USC. But there are some programs that aren't in a city, aren't really near a major city. I mean, Tuscaloosa's three hours from Atlanta, like seven hours from New Orleans. There's no real big city. Memphis is probably three hours away as well. But they're NIL proof for lack of a better term. Guys will go there and make their money. It does not matter. I think some of the SEC schools fall into that category. I think Tennessee, even though they've fallen on hard times, are a little bit in that category. I think Ole Miss might also be. They do have brand recognition. They are a very well-known program. I think it will help cities get big-name recruits. But I do think big-name recruits for some of these schools weren't an issue. USC was still getting top guys. Miami was still getting highly ranked recruiting classes. It will come down to decisions of the universities. And I also think the NIL and the transfer rules will be the undoing of some very good coaches. Guys who are good at recruiting and good at X's and O's, but Dabo Sweeney, for example, said he would retire if kids got paid. So now he's getting blasted every time an NIL deal is signed. He spoke out against the transfer portal saying he doesn't like it, doesn't want kids from that. And Nick Saban said it before that it's a bad idea, but he still gets guys from the transfer portal. Dabo's really not. And I yeah. saw something the other day that said, I used to laugh at Alabama fans for saying they never wanted Dabo, but I get it now. College coaching has passed him by. Yeah. And, and you know, as while Saban is not a young, you know, a young buck anymore, he, he seems to have been morphing with the times. Yeah. And so I think it will 
show us coaches who can adapt quickly to a changing landscape. For sure, for sure. As those landscapes are changing, as we're entering bowl season, first of all, when are we going to get a bellyupsports.com bowl? We got to get on this. Talk to Mike. <laughs> we got to go. I as feel like Mike, though, would probably want to put it either in like Toledo or Detroit because he's aligned. So I don't want to have to go do stuff in Toledo no. and Detroit for the company. Call me, call me selfish. Bowl games need to happen South Mason Dixon line where it's not so cold. <laughs> Let's get... uh, belly up sports music city bowl in Nashville. That's Boom. what I want. Got it. Let's do it. We'll get Mike on that. Uh, while we're working on that and while all these bowls are happening, where can people find you in your college football talk? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at belly up Kev. And then at quad tailgate on Twitter and Instagram as well. And tailgate and quad on Facebook, even though we don't use that as much as we should. <laughs> Perfect. This tailgate on the quad tailgate. Cause it's a college football show. They talk college football all the time. It's a fun time. It's a, it's a fun show. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Also, you mentioned there's some cold war history there. So, you know, it is, it is a educational red related podcast. I guess. Exactly. So <laughs> don't study for your history final. Just listen to the entire a playlist of tailgate on the quad and you'll do fine. You'll do fine. It's proven fact. Thanks for coming on. Kid. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. Friends. Do you feel like you know a little bit more about what's going on this December in sports? We talked a lot about off the field issues, both in baseball and college football, but man, I think we got some good stuff done there. If, you enjoyed listening to Brad Chandler and the Pesky Report. Be sure to follow him at Pesky Report on Twitter and Instagram. They put out a great show. Again, out of season, they're going about once a week. But in season, they're multiple times a week after every series talking Red Sox baseball. Really, really fun group of guys over there at the Pesky Report. Make sure you check them out. Also, shout out to my man Kev. If you're into football, especially college football, as the guy is a big-time Alabama and SEC fan. Thus, he pays attention to all of the top of college football because Alabama seems to be always at the top of college football. Make sure you follow my man Kev at BellyUpKev on Twitter. He also is a part of the Tailgate on the Quad podcast and the Corner Booth podcast. So make sure you're checking both of those things out to follow Kev and all the fun stuff they're doing there. All this Belly Up stuff is a great, great time to go check all of that out. If you missed... The announcement a little while back and have not found us yet on YouTube. We are streaming this show on YouTube with the Six Pack Coverage Network. Uh, you can go on and check us out there at Six Pack Coverage on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. You'll get an update every time one of our shows gets posted. Just another way for you to check out all of our great episodes. We have a few throwbacks up there right now, as well as all of our episodes since we officially signed on board with them. Uh, we like going back and forth. We have this little combo. We're doing all our audio stuff with Belly Up and we're also giving you this extra platform to find us on with six pack coverage to so make sure you go subscribe and check all of that out. If you're looking for me on social media, you can find all of my personal stuff, including L's on sneakers. Yes, I did not get the cool gray 11s and no, I did not get the crafted Jordan ones, even though I really, really like those crafted Jordan ones. We may be hitting up StockX later. We will see. I post those kinds of L's on sneakers. I also post all the stuff that I'm writing about. You get a lot of sad Rockets and Texas Longhorn suites, although Texas Longhorns basketball is going a little bit better. So you see those kinds of things, and then I always post whatever writing and recording I am doing. Be sure you find all of that stuff at Paintsworth 512 on Twitter and Instagram. 
As for this show, we are also on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram. And on Twitter, we're at F in sports two f-i-n-s-p-r-t-s number two all one word on twitter we're building quite a following there so make sure you check us out on the twitter now i will say in both of those social medias you can check our handles out go to the links there in our bio see all the support from our sponsors you can find our links to yeti find yo yeti sports show make sure you find all your great insulated needs on yeti you can go to the beard struggle and use code f in sports 15 to get 15 percent off all of your beard needs and uh, facial hair requirements you can also and this is relatively recent go to my bookie use code fn sports get double your deposit up to a thousand dollars make sure you go and check out my booking use code fn sports also on all of those links on all of those social media handles you'll be able to find our merch store yes we have our own merch store with a number of different collectible t-shirt i say collectible because you should have a collection the size of mine but a bunch of different collectible t-shirts a bunch of different charitable causes the december cause was flunk hunger so you have a bunch of different flunk hunger t-shirts in october we did flunk cancer in november we did flunk shaving for november we have a number of different things on there as well they're just more grandiose fn sports t-shirts things that will let people know not to flunk with you and you are not one to be flunked with make sure you go check all of that out the store can be found through all of our different social media handles be sure to like subscribe rate review and do all the wonderful things to help out the podcast on a couple of different platforms do it on youtube do it on spotify do it on apple do it on all of them help us out and whatever you do please remember don't flunk with us later guys Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.